Let's open our Bibles this evening to Genesis chapter 35, and we're ready to consider verses 5 through 8 in our Wednesday night study of the book of Genesis. We pick up the account where Jacob now in obedience and faith to the Lord told him to return to Bethel, and so he is obeying that command. And this, of course, is following that disastrous chapter 34, where there were so many individuals that lacked faith and obedience in that chapter. But here in Genesis 35, we see Jacob obeying the Lord. And let's begin reading at verse 5, Genesis 35, and verses 5 through 8. And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were all around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. Remember that Jacob's fear was because of what his sons had done, the the cruelty and the slaughter that uh, they did to their enemies, that Jacob feared that the surrounding tribes would then attack them. Well, God overruled, and God protected them in this journey. Remember, he is responding to God's command, so he's acting in faith here. So Jacob came to Luz, verse 6, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him. And he built an altar there and called the place El Bethel, because there God appeared to him when he fled from the face of his brother. Remember, Bethel means the house of God, but now he has added to that name and no longer calls it just Bethel, but the God, El is God in the Hebrew. So now he names the place the God of the house of God. It's an important distinction that he makes here. Verse 8, now Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, which would have been Jacob's nanny growing up, died, and she was buried below Bethel under the terebinth tree. So the name of it was called Alan Bakuth, which means the oak of weeping. So there was a time of mourning of the death of this very important individual in, in Jacob's life. God watched over them and protected them despite Jacob's fear. And remember, that was the lack of faith that Jacob showed in chapter 34 when he expressed his fear. And he spoke things that were completely contrary to what God had promised him. But we see that God was faithful to what he had promised, and he always is even at times when we are faithless. God, he knows the heart. Jacob certainly has a heart that was tender toward the things of the Lord, even when when there were times when he failed to walk by faith. God kept drawing him back to that path of faith and obedience. And so God watched over him and protected him. The, the, The enemy, we know he has a desire to destroy us and overthrow us. And just as I... I look at uh, the building project that we're currently in and all of the, the uh, trials along the way that have arisen. I, I realize there's an enemy who doesn't want us to have a place where we can proclaim this truth. But greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So we know that the victory's coming, and our part is to continue to trust him. And that, that's just one example. Each of you have your own experiences that you're going through. Where at times it looks like God's not being faithful. It looks like maybe there are just uh, more trials and sorrows than you think there ought to be in your life. But we have to trust him that he has everything in control. And he 
is, our Father is the Almighty God. No power is able to resist Him or to overthrow His plans and purposes. Our responsibility is simply to rest in that, to trust Him, to be who He said He would be. Jacob is is finding God to be just that kind of God, and he worships Him. Jacob had previously named the place where God had met with him and spoke with him and, and gave him the promises and the blessings that were first given to Abraham, then handed down to Isaac, and now God has handed them down to, to Jacob. And that was first done in Bethel, where he met with God, and, and he, this is the house of God. But now he, he builds a fresh altar. Uh, he's, he built an altar before. But this is a fresh altar to, to worship God, and he names the place the God of the house of God. In other words, Jacob wasn't worshiping a place, which is the tendency of the religious flesh, isn't it? To worship a place. But he worshiped the God of the house of God. And this is something that we, we need to remember. It's an important expanding of Jacob's revelation and his walk with Je- Jehovah. We tend to be sentimental about people, places, and things. And sometimes sentiment in and of itself is not sinful or wrong, but sometimes we let sentiment replace faith. Sentiment can, we can focus our attention on the past. And those of us that were raised in church, we, most of us probably were raised in a certain church, in a certain church building, and just like some of our young people that were raised in the church building there on Wadsworth, that was church all their life. That's, that's church. But it's not God. And it's, it's not the source of your blessings. And sometimes we feel that way about uh, different uh, individuals that God has used. We're talking about godly individuals that have been a real blessing to our life. And sometimes we can just get in a comfortable spot where that's those individuals are our crutch in life. Sometimes it's a place. Sometimes it's a person. Sometimes it's things. I've known a lot of people that can't really move on with a fresh daily life of faith because they cling to things. And so we need to be careful to know that we worship the God of the house of God. Thank God for the places and the people that God has used in our life to to teach us the ways of the Lord and to draw us unto himself. Thank God for those those precious blessings and memories that that we'll have for the rest of our life. But I, I don't know whether you've noticed it or not. Life is full of changes. Nothing stays the same. People, places, relationships, they all change. And, and, and that's, that's just life. But God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if our faith is in him, when those unwanted and unexpected changes in life come, our faith will remain solid because our faith is in God, not in a person, not in a place, not in a thing. And maybe that's one of the lessons the Lord has been showing us in this two-year transition, that uh, a building's not church. We're the church. God is in us, and he's with us. And that's something that should bring us comfort to know that he never changes and he'll always be there to meet our need. God brought Jacob through a lot of different experiences, a lot of changes, and many of them were unpleasant. In fact, he'll later testify to that. His life was hard, and it was. 
God had a plan for him, and God used all of those trials that he went through to continue to teach him the way of faith. But his life was hard. But as he learned to trust in God, and that was another change here. Deborah was most likely Jacob's childhood nanny. He's already lost his mother by this time, and now he loses this woman that was so close to him and helped raise him. And that's another change in his life. And before long, we're going to read where his father's going to pass away. And many of us have already experienced a lot of those kinds of losses in life. And it's hard, especially when it's someone that has, has been a pillar for us and has been there to, to encourage us and strengthen us, to teach us. And then when they're off the scene, oh, no, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to continue to trust the Lord. He's not dead. Always like the passage, a kind of a stark way that God speaks to Joshua when Moses is dead. Now, can you imagine being Moses' helper as Joshua was, seeing all the, the incredible miracles that were done through Moses as God's instrument and what a leader Moses was? Can you imagine being Joshua? God says, speaks to him and says, Moses is dead. He didn't say he passed away. He didn't say that Moses is dead. And now you, don't be afraid. Be courageous. Now you, be what I want you to be. And the Lord takes us through a lot of changes in life. And it's hard for us to learn this lesson, but it's, it's something that I've tried to, to help individuals understand when they're going through such difficult times is their opportunities for us to know the faithfulness of God in our life. We wouldn't choose it. All the difficult trials that the Lord has brought me and my family through, I would never, ever choose those, nor would I want them again. But in the midst of those, I've seen how the Lord has worked in me and through me and in and through those trials. For eternity, God deals uh, deals with us with eternity in mind. And that's how we need to look at all the different experiences, the good ones and the bad ones. We can, When the good times are good, sometimes we can kind of get full of ourselves too and think it's because of what we've done and we're so faithful. And No, even in the good times, we need to remember it's by God's grace and he has a purpose for it. He's working in me for eternity through the blessing. But when the trials come, it's still the same thing. And we know all things work together for our good. May we always worship the God of the house of God. Let's go back to Genesis 35, and we'll continue in verse 9. Read through verse 15. Genesis 35, 9 through 15. Then God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padan Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, Your name is Jacob. Your name shall, be, shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. Now remember, this is a repeat of what he had told him when he wrestled with him all night. And so now he's reminding him, reminding Jacob of that change. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. What a revelation that is when you hear these promises of God. Now, Jacob had his promises that God gave him and the nation of Israel, but we have promises too. And it's the same Almighty God that's made those promises to us. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you, and kings shall come from your body. 
The land which I gave Abraham and Isaac I give to you, and to your descendants after you I give this land. Then God went up from him in the place where he talked with him. So Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him, a pillar of stone, and he poured a drink offering on it, and he poured oil on it. And Jacob called the name of the place where God spoke with him Bethel, same place that he had called El Bethel. So God again meets with Jacob. He gives Jacob a new and fresh experience. He'd already told him these things before. He'd already made these promises to Jacob. He already had told him that, that I'm making you a prince of God. You're no longer the supplanter. You're no longer Jacob. The experience is new and fresh. But notice the promises are still the same. He still has to believe what God had told him from the beginning. God reminds Jacob that his name has been changed to Israel, encouraging Israel to begin to live like who he is, who God has declared him to be and has made him by his, his grace and his mercy. Jacob builds a memorial to remember this experience that he had, and he pours a drink offering on it. Now, in the, the Old Testament, the drink offering that was offered to the Lord, it was a symbol of being completely poured out for the service of the Lord. There was, there was no sharing of, of the liquid that was poured out. It was all for God. And that's symbolic of what our commitment is to the Lord. We are to be a drink offering to the Lord. Paul puts it this way in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. He uses more the analogy of the burnt offering, which is the same thing, uh, the, the, the same concept. It was offered wholly and fully to the Lord. It wasn't shared with the priest or with the one who offered. The burnt offering was totally for the Lord. The drink offering, totally for God and for his glory. Paul says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you, I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, because of what God's done for us by his mercies, that you present, yield your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. God's not asking too much of you when he asks you to give your all, because he's going to provide everything you need for life and for eternity in that life of faith and service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, that is experience, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You just can't outgive God. He wants, he wants your all. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> you give him your all and you'll see how horrible it is. He will bless you. He will use you. He'll make you part of that eternal work of grace he's doing in the life of others. And all along, he'll supply everything you need to get the job done, to be the kind of Christian you need to be. He will provide. We need a renewed commitment to the Lord as well. When we accepted Jesus as our Savior, we were made a new creature in Christ as a new beginning. But in your walk with the Lord, just like Jacob's walk with the Lord, there are times when we need those fresh ex experiences and that special anointing and presence of the Lord. And we need to seek that. But also notice, I've heard over the years so many people say, well, I want something more. And even in one of our youth camps at one time, I had to call one of the teachers down for making this statement. There's got to be more than what we have. And I said, you know, there's more to be had, but it's the same promises, the same blessings.
We don't need something different. We need more of what God has already given us. And this this is something I, I didn't put it in my notes, but uh, uh, Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 16, if you want to turn there, this passage came to me as I thought about. Jeremiah 6 and verse 16 says, Thus says the Lord, Stand in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths, where the good way is, and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk in it. In this modern day in which we live, when everybody wants something new and exciting to tickle the flesh, they're not satisfied with the simple preaching and teaching of the Word of God anymore. It's just not enough to entertain. But when God calls us to something new and fresh, a new and fresh experience, it's not for something different. It's, from, it, it, it's to return to enjoy the fullness of the blessings of the whole counsel of God that he's already given us. Paul commended the, the Ephesian elders to the word of his grace. It's the word of God that is the only power that can change a life. And in this world in which we lived, live in, we need changed lives. We don't need to get people pumped up and excited. Nothing wrong with excitement. Nothing wrong with, with being boisterous. Those things have their place. But it's the word of God that will transform a life. When it's believed, when it's received, return to the old paths. Quit trying to invent new things to entertain yourself or to draw other people in. People need to hear Jesus. They need to hear the gospel. So we see Jacob returning to that. I think we'll stop there before we go on and consider the death of, of Rachel. Another drastic change in Jacob's life. This is why it was important for God to give him this fresh experience to speak to him new and afresh to remind him of what he'd already been told because he knew Jacob was going to continue to face hard times and only the word of God is going to be the foundation that's going to keep you from falling and the same is true with us.